Now, I imagine that you, at some point, you've felt inadequate about something. Uh, I know that experience comes for me quite often. Just yesterday, I was trying to work on one of my vehicles, and I had a taillight that was out, and usually I can fix that. It's just a light bulb. It's not hard. But I, I, took, I took a bunch of stuff off, and I got to the light bulb, and I, I changed it, put it all back together, and it didn't work. And then, um, so I kept working at it over and over again, and uh, realized that it wasn't a bulb issue, probably. It was probably a wire issue. So I started you know, bending wires and twisting wires. And at some point, it must have been the Lord said, what are you doing? Because I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't even know where the wires went. I didn't even know if they were the right wires. And I just realized, I'm really inadequate with this stuff. Like, I don't have the tools to do this. uh, And this is just not what I do. And I'm sure that you've had those times when you feel inadequate about something. And what happens is, you have a tendency to not want to ever do that again, right? Right? Those of you who are teenagers here, um, I know you've been told your whole life, all nine years, 14 years, whatever that might be, that your whole life you've been told that you can do whatever you want to do, whatever you put your mind to. Thank you, Grandma. And, uh, and then you start trying things and you realize, <laughs> I might not want to do this <laughs> ever again, right? As an older adult, you've probably had dreams that, you know, when you were a child, that one day you were going to grow up and you were going to be that artist and that musician and you gave up on that too. When it comes to being followers of Jesus, there are things that oftentimes, church, we feel inadequate about. And one of those things, unfortunately, one of those things is one of the things that God has called us all to do. And that is to share the good news of Jesus. But if you've been a follower of Christ uh, for a while, you know that, uh, that sometimes you stumble through trying to explain Jesus to other people, and maybe you're not quite sure how to broach the subject and, and all of that, and, and you've maybe had some negative interactions, and so you've kind of given up on that. You're one of those people who say, I love Jesus, I just don't want to talk about him, Right? If that's you, I hope that this message today can help us because really, you are adequate for this. You can do this and we should be doing this. Sharing what we know about Jesus Christ and the good news because it leads to transformation, not only in our lives, but the lives of others. And so we're gonna look at a passage of scripture in the book of Acts. So this is the fifth book of the New Testament, but in the book of Acts, Acts is written by Luke, Luke gave us the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. He gave us the stories of Jesus and then what Jesus did through the life of the early church. And here should be the first clue. Luke was a physician. But Luke and his influence was not about how great of a doctor he was, right? We don't have stories about, oh, Luke, he was so great. He was my doctor and he fixed my elbow. We we don't have any of those stories, Because Luke's greatest influence, although his career, his job was to be a physician, his greatest influence came from sharing the good news of Jesus. And we get to receive that today. How much more in our roles, you might have a role, you might have a job, whatever you do, your career, that will not be the place where you see the greatest influence. Your greatest influence in eternity 
will be what you did and how you shared the good news of Jesus. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read through the story. We're gonna get to it in a minute, but I'm gonna read through this story for us so you can close your eyes if you want. You can just listen. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. But I wanna read this passage from Acts chapter eight, and I want us to hear the story, this narrative, because I think it's a microcosm of what God wants to do in the greater story of how we live this out. Acts chapter eight beginning with verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from this earth. The eunuch asked Philip, please tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. That's a good observation. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I think that this story is a microcosm. It teaches many things, and and, and it's part of a greater story in, in the book of Acts. But I think one of the things it teaches us is this. The good news of Jesus is an invitation to transformation. There's a lot that's going on here. You have God who's inviting Philip to be a part of the story. You have the Spirit inviting Philip to come alongside of this chariot or carriage. You have the Ethiopian inviting Philip in to take this journey with him. And then you have Philip inviting the Ethiopian to know Jesus. So you have these two characters, but a lot of invitation takes place. The two characters are Philip and the Ethiopian. Philip is a believer, and we'll get to his background in just a minute. And then the Ethiopian starts off, he was not a follower of Christ, but by the end, his life had been transformed by what he heard and what he understood about who Jesus was. So who who is this Philip? Uh, We're introduced to Philip actually a couple of chapters earlier in Acts, Acts chapter 6. The disciples uh, had walked with Jesus, had seen his life, miracles, teachings, death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. Forty days later, Acts chapter 2, they're filled with God's presence in their lives. God's Holy Spirit comes and fills them, and they begin to share the good news of Jesus, and people start coming to Christ. They, They receive Jesus as their Savior, and the church, the assembly of believers, begins to grow thousands at a time. And so these 12 individuals who were kind of put in charge, 
they, they don't know how to care for all these people anymore. And there's some people uh, are needing care and needing food and widows and orphans, and they're not able to handle all of that. So they wisely, they come up with the idea. They say, hey, why don't we appoint seven individuals? Why don't we appoint some other individuals within the church who can then care for those things? And their phrase was, we, we need people who can help wait on tables. That's the phrase. They needed people who could feed the poor, take care of the widows, help the children, do all of those things. And Philip becomes one of the seven. He is appointed by these leaders in the church to wait on tables. Now, this happens in the church today, right? Church, like local churches and the church, we, we need all kinds of people. Right? There are those who are called to teach and preach and those who are missionaries. There, there are those who do worship. But we, we, need, we need people who, are, who can use their teaching skills to work with children downstairs and help with, in the nursery. And, and we need a hospitality team. That's what Philip was. He, was. he would have been a part of the hospitality team at All Shores. They use the phrase wait on tables. We would say hospitality team or coffee maker, right? He, he's the individual who's in the, who's in the cafe who's making coffee every week because that's a need. If we don't have coffee, right? We don't have church, no. But it feels that way sometimes. But so this is Philip's job, right? So he's making coffee. It's probably an Ethiopian blend. But he, uh, I'm glad you guys followed that. That was pretty good. But Philip did not see his role in the church that he was volunteering, that he was doing and caring for people. He did not see that as his main role. He still understood that as a follower of Jesus, his main role was to share the good news of Jesus. And you see that with the other seven too, because if you look back at chapters, uh, Acts chapter six, seven, and then leading into eight, all you hear are the stories of these seven individuals. Stephen becomes martyred uh, and not for the way he made coffee, but Stephen becomes martyred because he was sharing the gospel, the good news. And Philip goes out. The, the church is scattered because of persecution that's beginning. But all you see these individuals do is sharing the good news. And miracles happen, prayers happen. Lives are being transformed. And not because of his role in the church or what he did as a volunteer or what he did for a living, but how he shared about Jesus. And so Philip finds himself, right? He's, he finds himself one day in another city and he has this experience. Verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, this doesn't happen to all of us, right? Like I said, this is a story of a microcosm of a greater story of how God works. I've never had an angel show up and tell me what to do. I've had a lot of other people show up and tell me what to do. But not an angel, not a messenger from God. But clearly, this is before the New Testament is written. This is at a time when the church is uh, exploding. And I'm not saying that God doesn't work through angels to this day. He, I might get visited by an angel. Maybe sometimes that's what God needs to do to get your attention. But we have other ways in which God gives us direction. We call it, during our abiding time, we call, we call it abiding here, um, and it's taken from John 14, but it's this idea that silence, scripture, prayer, and worship, as we spend time with the Lord in those, in those areas, God begins to speak to us. We read scripture, and God speaks to us. 
In our prayer time, God speaks to us. In silence, God speaks to us. So there are, there are ways that which God gives us direction. Now, Philip might, might, at this point, he needed an angel. But for those of us, we need to be led by God. And, and the only way we're going to do that is if we're spending time with him. So first of all, church, we, we need to spend time abiding with the Lord so that we can hear what he wants us to do. And in this case, he wanted him to go down this desert road that was likely unused. It probably seemed like a strange thing. And sometimes it feels strange when God tells you to do something. But he was obedient. He started out. He just simply started walking. God, you told me to go this way. This is what I'm going to do. And then he encounters this Ethiopian, this official who's in charge of the treasury of Candace, is how we translate that. And it's a title of the queen of Ethiopians, kind of like Pharaoh is the title of the king of Egypt. So here's this important official. And he had just been in Jerusalem to worship and was on his way home and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. I just want to pause here because I think this is fascinating. Uh, There were converts to Judaism and just like any other religion. So clearly this this Ethiopian, he, he was a eunuch, may have been castrated. Uh, he, he was at least an official uh, to the queen and oversaw all the treasury, but he was seeking God. And he had some understanding of the Jewish worship. So he had gone to Jerusalem, but because of his color, because of his language, because of his background, because of his physical uh, things that had happened to him physically, he would have been unable, he was considered imperfect and would have been unable to move beyond the court of the Gentiles. So the temple there had different places you could go where you could get closer to God. But because of who he was and because of his background, he could never really be fully accepted, even by the people that he was worshiping with. I bet you there are people out there today, maybe some of you, who feel the same way. Now, we don't make you stay out in the lobby because of your background and appearance. We don't, we don't make you stay online to stay away from us, right? Because Christianity has a different story to tell. But you, you know what this feels like. You feel like a foreigner when you come to church. There's language that you just don't quite get. There are phrases that are used. There are songs that are sung that you're like, I, I'm, I'm not sure what that means. You hear stories of how God's moving in other people's lives and you think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting that. I, I don't know what this is all about. And yet, you keep coming because deep down inside, you know that there is a God who loves you and you just wish you could break through that unacceptance. Man, Philip has a different story. That was Judaism. That was legalism. That that was a different way. Philip knows that there is a different story when it comes to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit leads Philip alongside this chariot, right? And and he starts to uh, listen in, right? He starts to hear what the Ethiopian is saying. And he finds out that he's reading the book of Isaiah. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? Church, this is where we come alongside of other people. If you're a student, you have students that sit around you in in class all week long who don't know Jesus. 
You have coworkers that you work around that don't know Jesus. We live in neighborhoods with, with people that don't know Jesus. Maybe we don't even know our neighbors. We don't even know if they know Jesus. We have people surrounding us all the time. And God is calling us to, to come alongside and just simply listen. So Philip, led by the Spirit, is coming alongside this, this Ethiopian. And, and he asks the question, do you understand? The Ethiopian says, I can't. Not unless somebody tells me. I can't understand unless somebody shares with me what they know. And there are people all around us who are simply asking. They don't even know what questions to ask. But they want to know what we know about Jesus. Our role is to explain it. Here's what Jesus did for me. Here's what Jesus did for all of us. Here's how he moves in my life today. It's an invitation, right? Now, we, we, we use what we call a frank list around here. They're friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and coworkers. And on our frank list, we have people that we pray for. I know that my team, I know that the staff, we talk about this all the time. Our staff has a frank list. We pray for these people regularly. And we interact with them on a regular basis. Because we believe that God wants to do something in their life. Our role is to come alongside and begin to explain. If, if you're an unbeliever and uh, someone has brought you to church and you've got questions, my recommendation is don't start with the pastors. Start with your friend. They invited you. How did they come to know Jesus? What's their story? What does that look like in their life? What has Jesus done for them? Come alongside and explain this. And so the Ethiopian invites Philip into the, into the chariot, or it was more like a carriage, not the chariot you and I are thinking about, but more of a carriage because there was a driver. And um, So Philip is invited to jump in, and he shares with them that passage of Scripture in Isaiah about the sheep being led to slaughter and how this individual doesn't speak out even though they didn't get justice and they, and they go to their death. And he asks the question, who is this, who is this about? <laughs> and Philip goes, oh man, let me tell you. Isaiah was prophesying about God's son who was gonna come. He is the lamb of God. And he was led to the cross, led to slaughter. And we were there, and he never spoke out, but in humility, he faced his injustice. And he died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And then he rose again three days later. Philip's going on and on. I can just picture him in the chair just explaining like all the things that he's seen and all that he's experienced. He's like, you won't believe but this Jesus, he's alive and he's given us his spirit. He hasn't left us alone and, and get this. You know how you were in the Gentile courts and you couldn't go any further? What Jesus did is he broke down that barrier. The good news of Jesus is that if you receive him, you become his. That you have access to God. There is nothing limiting you anymore. You have full access and full understanding. He fills you with his Holy Spirit. You can be everything that God wants you to be. And I, I can just imagine the conversation and what that must have felt like for that Ethiopian. Finally understanding that maybe, maybe there was something more that God had for him.
And then Philip probably, we're not told this, so I'm just interjecting, but Philip was like, oh yeah. And then there's all these thousands of people who are getting saved and they're coming to faith in, in God. And, and one of the ways that we express that is we, that we do this baptism. Uh, Jesus did it, but you, you're, you go under the water and you're buried because your old way of life and sin is dead. And then you come up out of the water and you're washed your sins are gone, you're washed, you're clean, you're new, and you're a new person in Christ. And he's explaining this to the Ethiopian, and that's when the Ethiopian goes, well, there's some water, right? Okay, what's keeping me from getting baptized? And the answer is nothing. Nothing is keeping you. There is no limitations for what God can do in your life. And so... <laughs> So Philip enters into the waters of baptism with this Ethiopian. And there's more to the story after this, but he leads him to Christ and he baptizes him there. Church, if you've ever been a part of our baptism services, you know that it's not just the pastors that are in the water. It's friends, it's relatives, it's mentors, it's group members, it's people who have walked the journey with someone until they've come to receive Christ. And what a beautiful story. What a beautiful way to engage in this. And this is part of the call to the church is just to walk this journey. If you're an unbeliever, you might have questions. That's fine. Invite us like the Ethiopian did. Invite us into your journey to ask the questions. Let us just walk along with you. Because we believe that the good news of Jesus is an invitation to transformation. We, we are not gonna convince you to receive Jesus we're not going to beat you into Jesus. We're not going to argue you into Jesus. We're not going to scare you into Jesus. We're just letting you know this is an invitation because God loves you. And there is nothing keeping you from him except your decision to follow him. So we don't know the personal transformation in this Ethiopian, although we know some because uh, early church historians tell us that this this eunuch went back as a leader of the nation and Ethiopia, the, the leadership in Ethiopia, including the queen, uh, they came to know Christ. So he must have shared the gospel and they came to know Christ. We're told that other disciples were asked to come down to Ethiopia and share and, and pray and they saw people healed. And so there's this movement that's happening that we don't necessarily read about in Acts but the early church experiences, and Ethiopia becomes the very first Christian nation. And it starts with a conversation with a coffee maker. You see, church, our role, we can volunteer, we can go to work, but our greatest influence is gonna be how we share Christ with others. Because the good news of Jesus is an invitation to transformation. That's where the difference takes place. We use an acronym here called BLESS. There's a lot of acronyms, right? It's a churchy language. We have our frank list and we have our BLESS stuff. But what we mean by BLESS is this is how we take the journey with others. We begin with prayer. In that abiding time, ask God, who should I be praying for? Pray for their salvation interact with them, maybe send them a prayer, and then listen with care. 
Just come alongside of people. Just like Philip listened to the Ethiopian reading the scripture. Hey, do you understand? That's what we do. We just listen. Where are they spiritually? Where Do they know Jesus? Eating together. I know that's not in the story. I'm glad we've added that. But I, I have a friend that I pray for uh, every, every day. Um, and we started getting together about over, over a year ago. So I had breakfast with him almost every Thursday. And uh, we had a conversation I shared with our Muskegon campus just two weeks ago about God's grace. Because it was a word that he didn't fully understand and he brought it up. Hey, what is, what is this grace thing that I hear the church talking about every now and then? And so we started talking about unmerited favor of how we are undeserving and yet God loves us, that he would send his only son to die for our sins, that all who believe in him will not perish but will have eternal life. I'm sharing the gospel at Mr. B's and we're having this great conversation now. He's not ready yet, I get it. He's not ready yet. But he's given me opportunity to be able to invite him into that story of transformation. Serve. We serve other people. Uh, my wife and I, uh, we've been serving our neighbors. And just yesterday, for the first time, they invited us over to their house for a celebration. And we didn't know anybody. That's awkward, right? We didn't know anybody. But it was a great opportunity. And before we left, I invited them to come and join our group on Thursdays. So that, that has come over time out of serving my neighbor. And then, again, the, the opportunity to share. Share, the, share your story of what God has done in your life. This is the journey that we take with others. And we, we call it bless. But this, this is what it's all about. It's not about being a coffee maker. It's about being a blessing to those around us, whether it's your friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, or coworkers. The good news of Jesus is an invitation to transformation. You know, we like to provide resources and opportunities for you to be comfortable inviting people to our church and to events. And we've got several things that have gone on, several that are going on. I know a couple weekends, or a weekend ago, we had our guys' night out, and we had men from all three campuses. You, you tell men that there's going to be something good to eat and get them together, and we're happy. Like, it wasn't a huge agenda, but John Wood shared uh, some thoughts that night on how we're better together. And uh, we, we had a great time, for guys from all the campuses. It was a safe place for people to invite their friends to come. Hey, going to go hang out with a group of guys and eat some chicken. All right, I'll come, right? It's a safe place. Our youth have events every week where it's a safe environment for kids to come, invite their friends our groups that start next week. What a great opportunity to invite your neighbors and other people and just say, hey, we don't, we don't do a whole lot. Like we, we get together and we just talk. And yeah, I know we might pray. We're not gonna make you pray, but like this would be a great opportunity for you to ask some questions and maybe take this journey with us. And then our services, we want our services to be a place where people feel comfortable. We hope you feel comfortable to ask questions and come even though you're not necessarily a follower of Jesus. We want you to know that you are accepted and that you belong. And so over the next three weeks, we've got uh, a series called Winterfest, exploring the joys of this season. And we've got a, a short promo that I want you to look at if you take a look at the screens. 
We live in the blossoms of winter, waiting, longing, hoping for the sun to come out and enjoy the spring again. But what if there are gifts to receive, fun to be discovered, relationships to be deepened, and purpose that can be found in these wintry, wonderful seasons? So we thought it would be fun as we enter into winter. A lot of it's cloudy out there, right? People are, you know, it's, it's just blah right now in Michigan. And that's all right. What, how can we find joy in this season and, and learn to enjoy it? So next Sunday, it is also Super Bowl Sunday, but next Sunday, Pastor Pete's going to be preaching on, uh, yeah, what is he preaching on? Oh, yeah, enjoying the rhythms of winter and being in community together. We're going to have food at all of our campuses. Muskegon's doing a, a chili cook-off. We're going to have hot dogs at, uh, at Coopersville and, and Spring Lake, and uh, we're going to have snacks and some other items, so you, we're not going to make you eat a hot dog. Um, but we'll have some fun stuff going on because it's the Olympics and Super Bowl. We're inviting everyone to wear their, their favorite jerseys or sports uh, items. Uh, you can wear a hockey helmet if you want. I'll let you, right? Um, but yeah, come next week. Invite your friends. It's going to be a fun time uh, as we explore this rhythms of winter and what God has to do with that. The next weekend, we have our marriage event on Saturday. Still time to sign up for that online, or we have a spot out in the lobby. Rachel's out there, and she can sign you up. What a great opportunity for you to bless someone else. Maybe you want to pay their way to come to dinner that night and invite them to come. Mary or Chris and Mary Conrad will be speaking that night. And then the next morning, they're going to be talking about the joy and the wonder of marriage. And then the last week is uh, enjoying the joy of singleness. And uh, Pastor Nate Landier is going to be preaching. I think we've got ice cream from Kilwins that week, hot chocolate the week before. We, we've got some fun things going on downstairs in our children's area. I say all that to say it's just an opportunity for you in your conversations with others as you are talking about Jesus to invite them on this journey with you. And We want to be a safe place for you to invite them and be a culture of inviting because the good news of Jesus is an invitation to transformation. Let me pray. Lord, we just, uh, I thank you for the power of the good news. Your word tells us that the gospel is the power of salvation for all who believe. And just the good news and hearing what you have done transforms our hearts and minds. And God, uh, for those of us who have experienced that, we know that love, we know that acceptance, we know what that feels like. God, we, we long for others to experience that. If there are those out there today, whether it's here, watching online, listening later, Lord, who feel like the Ethiopian where they, they aren't quite there yet. Lord, I pray that you would break down those barriers, that they would receive the good news that, that you love them unconditionally, enough that you would die for their sins. And uh, Lord, maybe it's just simply a prayer for them to just simply say yes. Maybe their next step, Lord, is baptism to step into the waters and to testify about what you have done. God, we pray that those next steps will be taken because we want to continue to celebrate the difference that you make in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.